Hi, I'm Brett Dillon, and this is The Movie Chronicles. Today's episode begins a regular series where I will walk you through the greatest science fiction films of all time. In my less than humble opinion. As a general rule, I will avoid recency bias, which is like regency bias except more timely. Most films, 10 years old or less, will have to have something extra to be included in the list. Something that suggests the film has staying power over time. A film like Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets from 2017. Director and script, Luke Basson. Director of photography, Thierry Abergast. Editor, Julian Ray. Music, Alexander Desplat. Actors, Dane Dehan, Clara Delavine, Clive Owen, Rihanna, Ethan Hawke, Herbie Hancock, Chris Wu, Rutger Hauer, John Goodman, and Robbie Rist. Besson is a fan of the French graphic novel series from the 60s and onwards, named after one of the main characters, Valerian. What is interesting is that he doesn't start with an origin story, but jumps right in with, if I recall correctly, is number five in the series. What confused reviewers most seems to be the character of Loreline. One reviewer in particular asked why the film isn't called Loreline and... The answer lies in the backstory of the characters. Valerian works for a galactic police force. This society is so technologically advanced that all needs for all levels of society are met. As a result, the citizens have become lazy and self-absorbed. In terms of narrative structure, Valerian is a doofus who reflects the dominant French male attitudes of the 60s. He is both comic sidekick, and action hero. The audience are always supposed to side with Loreline's criticisms of him. Loreline appears in the first story, which is a time travel adventure. She does not come from Valerian's time and is a warrior princess type. In narrative terms, she represents French feminism of the 60s. The drama comes from the clashes between Valerian and Loreline, and the compromises they have to make to achieve their missions. It has also been established from the first story that the force they work for has some interior rot and dark secrets. In this, it resembles any big corporation. Besson uses this particular story to forward an anti-military agenda. He's not against the military per se, Taking his cue from the source material, he sees the problem as a military unable to acknowledge its mistakes. Even this is properly motivated in the film, and acknowledgement could lead to the collapse of the present system. The MacGuffin is an alien creature, thought to be extinct, who excretes replicas of anything it ingests. Valerian and Loreline are sent to rescue this creature after it is stolen. The rendezvous point is the City of a Thousand Planets, an artificial satellite serving as a meeting point for all the species of the galaxy. The city 
is being eaten up from the inside out by a mysterious force. The pair discovers this is being controlled by the intended buyers of the stolen creature. And they still want it. Meanwhile, they also discover a black piece of vileness in the history of the force that employs them that could be behind all this. Oh, and never, ever let a security officer have a private force answerable only to him. Just ask Vladimir Putin. Things can quickly get out of hand and at cross-purposes. Besson is a master of action sequences and special effects, so it came as no surprise that he keeps the pace up. The exception is the prologue that establishes the evolution of the planet and the source of the coming conflict. It also sets up the ecological theme. It shows a society in balance which is destroyed by war, which hopefully gets the audience thinking about Valerian's mission. If the creature is believed to be extinct, how did the Force come to possess the last survivor? And of more importance to the mission, by what kind of treason did they come to lose it? After that prologue, everything we see is a world out of balance. The unfettered capitalism of the virtual market, which needs to build walls to protect itself from what? The rot within the police force and the rot inside the city of a thousand planets. There is a French animation TV series called Valerian and Loreline, which was released in 2007. The English title is Time Jam. Comic book writer Pierre Christine was born on July the 27th, 1938, in San Mordé. He graduated from Sorbonne University studying political science. This was followed by a move to the U.S., where he taught French literature at the Salt Lake City University. While there, he collaborated with longtime friend Jean-Claude Mézoré on the graphic novel La Rue de Punch, which was published in Pilote magazine in 1966. In 1967, he returned to France, and the pair created the series of graphic novels Valerian and Loreline, also first published in Pilote. Comic book artist Jean-Claude Mézère was born on September 23, 1938, in Paris. He first met his longtime collaborator, Pierre Christine, at the age of two, when they were both crowded into an air raid shelter. It was Jean-Claude's 14-year-old elder brother who inspired him to be an artist. In 1951, when Jean-Claude was 13, he had his first pictures published in the magazine Le Journal de Jeune. He studied graphic design at the Institut des Arts Appliqués, starting at the age of 15. This was the time when he was reintroduced to Pierre Christine. The pair shared a passion for jazz and cinema. After college, Jean-Claude did his military service. His first job was short-lived, so he entered into a partnership that opened their own studio in 1963. However, in 1965, he moved to the USA to pursue his dream of being a cowboy. While he did work on a ranch for a short time, he spent most of this trip hitchhiking around the country until the immigration service caught up with him to tell him his work visa was only good for factory work in Houston. He remembered his old friend, Pierre, and looked him up in Salt Lake City. Pierre let him sleep on the sofa while Jean-Claude spent the day looking for work. He did do another short stint on a ranch, which was hugely influential on his work. 
the important moment came when he and Pierre collaborated on La Rume de Ponche and its follow-up, How to Succeed in Business by Almost Killing Oneself Through Hard Work. Jean-Claude's visa had now run out, so he used the comic book money to buy his return ticket to France. Pilot magazine almost immediately sent work his way. Pierre was splitting his time between the USA and Bordeaux. He wanted to collaborate on another project. The pair wanted to do a western, but at this time, this was a crowded market in France. They decided on science fiction, as there were few graphic novels in this genre. Pilot magazine accepted their idea, and so Valerian and Loreline came into being. Loreline, a peasant girl from the Middle Ages, was only supposed to appear in one episode of the series. She proved to be too popular to suppress, in part because Valerian was conceived as a banal character without any extraordinary means of action. His visual features were based on a French singer named Uguay Alfrey, that the pair disliked intensely. In the mid-80s, he was involved in creating the production art for a failed attempt to film Hard to be a God, finally made in 2013 without the help of his work. Director Luc Besson was born on March the 18th, 1959, in Paris. He toured the world with his parents, who were scuba diving instructors, and wrote early drafts of the films The Big Blue and The Fifth Element, because he was bored at school. He planned to become a marine biologist, but fate had other plans for him. Luke had a diving accident at age 17, which had the side effect that he could no longer dive. He was later to muse about his early life. I was never polluted by the world of cinema. I didn't even have a TV until I was 16. My expression is a reflection of the world I have seen, and in that world everyone was barefoot in bathing suits, following the order of the sea, the natural order of sunrise and sunset. I never went to the Cinémathèque. I didn't know much about the masters of cinema. At 18, he returned to the city of his birth, which is where he realized film was the medium that would allow him to incorporate his interest in all the arts. He applied to the National Film School of France, who turned him down. He was asked at an interview what directors he admired the most, and he replied, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, and Miloš Forman. The interviewer stopped him. That's enough. I don't think you belong here. In a later interview, he made the perfect reply to this criticism. In France, we have this problem. We cannot admit that movies are also an industry, that a movie is also fun. I think we have the wrong notion of commercial and intellectual or artistic film, because all films are commercial. When you go to see a film by Jean-Luc Godard, you pay the same price. And believe me, he makes much more money with his little film that cost one million than lots of people. Two people in a kitchen for two hours in black and white, and you say, oh, it's so arty. It's a very commercial film, because it cost nothing. He started hanging about film sets, taking odd jobs, and then moved to the US for three years. Returning home, he created his own film studio. In his spare time, he wrote the Arthur novels, which he turned into a film series. In a 2016 interview, he said, When I was ten, every week I'd read the adventures of Valerian in Pilot, which was actually quite frustrating. I'd wait a whole six days for the magazine to come out, but once it was in my hands, I wouldn't read it right away. I'd wait an hour or two. 
when Jean-Claude Mézère was working on The Fifth Element, he and Luke discussed making a Valerian film. Luke replied, Jean-Claude kept telling me, if you like this series so much, why don't you adapt it? But making such a film in the 1990s would have been impossible. Too many aliens, too many monsters, too many space stations in Valerian. It took the revolution brought along by James Cameron when Avatar came out. I thought to myself that the technology to make it was perhaps finally there. I'd already written several drafts of an adaptation a few years before then, but it was Avatar that made things possible. On the drafting of the script, Luke observed, long-time readers of Valerian have known the nature of the valerian loreline relationship for a long time. But a first film is like a first book. Some of the spectators won't know the series. So I went back to a time when Valerian and Loreline weren't together yet. Perhaps they're going to grow closer. Perhaps not. It's an interesting situation to film. Director of Photography, Thierry Abogast, was born on 24th of January 1956 in Paris. He has been a prolific director of photography since 1988, but is best known for his work with director Luc Besson. Composer Alexander Desplat was born on August 23rd, 1961 in Paris. His Greek mother and French father met in the USA and then settled in France to raise a family. It was listening to John Williams's score for Star Wars, 1977, that decided him to concentrate on writing scores for film. He is known for writing quickly, he observed. It's not unusual to have only three weeks to score a picture, and that's three weeks from signing on to finishing the last recording session. Actor Dane DeHaan was born on February the 6th, 1986, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. He said, Comic book movies are where my childhood fantasies met my adulthood acting fantasies. I really, truly started acting by playing superheroes in my backyard. Actor Clara Delavine was born on August the 12th, 1992, in London, England. She began her career as a fashion model before trying her hand at acting. She noted, The thrill of acting is making a character real, modeling is the opposite of real. It's being fake in front of the camera. Actor Clive Owen was born on October the 3rd, 1964, in Coventry, England. He is given this little autobiographical commentary. When I was 10 or 11, I played the Artful Dodger in a school production of Oliver. From that point onward, I said I wanted to be an actor. Nobody in my family took it seriously, but I saw no other path. I was a cocky little kid. This one teacher said, You're a working-class kid from Coventry. What do you know? He graduated from RADA in 1987 and subsequently joined the Young Vic Theatre Company. His early career was addled by controversy where people mistook him for the unsavory characters he played. Fortunately, he had theatre work to fall back on. He observed... I've never been interested in playing good guys. I'm always attracted to dangerous characters. Those roles are usually far more interesting, and I hold no fears about doing them. On acting, he had this to say. 
I got in a cab in Glasgow years ago, and this quite surly cab driver says to me, You're that actor, aren't you? You get paid to lie, don't you? That's what actors are, aren't they? Professional bullshitters. It had quite an effect on me. I get paid to lie. I walked out of there, and I spent a bit of time thinking about it. And then I, I realized I think it's the opposite. It's an opportunity to tell the truth. I try to do that in everything I do. And whether you like the movie I'm in or not, I want you to believe me. More than admire me or think I was brilliantly skillful, I want you to believe me. Actor Rihanna was born on February the 20th, 1988, in St. Michael, Barbados. She was signed to Def Jam Records at the age of 16 and carved out a musical career for herself. Actor Ethan Hawke was born on November the 6th, 1970, in Austin, Texas. He planned to become a writer. Taking acting classes encouraged him to audition for a Joe Dante film. Its critical reception discouraged him, and he concentrated on his studies. He returned to the big screen, working with Robin Williams, and has since mixed work in the theatre with an eclectic mix of film roles. He rightly noted, One of the most difficult aspects of being an actor is trying to find the right work, work that speaks to an audience that you enjoy doing and that is reflective of your artistic sensibility. To be a contemporary movie actor, you have to kill people, and that's basically it. If you don't cock and load and fire a Smith & Weston at some point in your film career, you're not going to have a film career. There just aren't enough movies that I like to keep me working in movies all the time. Well, let me rephrase that. There aren't enough available parts. Actor Herbie Hancock was born on April the 12th, 1940, in Chicago. He is best known as a composer and musician who performed with, amongst others, jazz great Miles Davis. He made his stage debut with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra when he was 11. Thinking back upon his life, he observed, My main work is to grow and expand and to investigate what else I'm made of besides being a musician. We all manifest ourselves in a lot of different ways, but most of us define ourselves by that one single thing that we're probably best known for. And my belief is that we shortchange ourselves in that way, whereas if we define ourselves as a human being first, it includes that and every other aspect of what we are. Actor Chris Wu was born on November the 6th, 1990, in China. At the age of 10, his family immigrated to Canada. He started his career in Chinese South Korean boy band EXO. This didn't end well. Chris became unhappy with management, and management countersued. He gave this sage advice. You have to work hard, work hard for everything. You will definitely get something out of it. Sometimes it's not because you won't get something back, it's because it's not the time yet. Actor Rutger Hauer was born on January the 23rd, 1944, in the Netherlands, and he died in 2019. His parents operated an acting school. Rutger, however, was a bit of a rebel, and at the age of 15, ran away to sea. His colour blindness prevented him from turning that move into a career. Returning home after a year at sea, he enrolled in night classes while working in the construction industry. Study was just not his thing. When he bombed again at school, his parents enrolled him in drama classes. Once again, he failed at his studies. He enlisted in the Dutch Navy. This experience was so unpleasant that he feigned mental illness to be released. 
He spent five years treading the boards before a break came his way. He said, Film is not a medium for actors. Everyone seems to think so, since it is the actors who get promoted to stardom. Creating stars is only a marketing ploy. It's the stars that sell a movie. The same technique is used in selling music, baseball games, and hamburgers. An actor does not make or break a movie. Some of them look good on screen, but they are not important. How many extremely bad movies are there with one good actor, or very good actor, or even two or three very good actors in the credits? I like to think of myself as a good actor, and even I made quite a lot of bad movies. Why are good actors no longer good when they play in a bad movie? And how many good movies have actors that are normally mediocre at best? Actor John Goodman was born on June the 20th, 1952, in St. Louis, Missouri. He started his career as a bouncer and bounced into acting in a very prolific manner. Actor Robbie Rist was born on April the 4th, 1964, in California. As a child actor, he is best remembered as Dr. Z in the Galactica 1980 TV series. As an adult, you'll see him in Sharknado. Film choreographer and stunt coordinator Laurent Demianoff was born in 1977 in Paris. His father, Georges Demianoff, introduced the sport of Kung Fu to France. Laurent's martial arts training came in useful when he decided to make a career as a professional stuntman. Next episode, we'll enjoy bath time in 1893. One thing you'll notice about the greatest science fiction films of all time is that almost no films from the 50s make the cut. I can hear your disappointment from here. Don't worry. The e-book Science Fiction Films of the 50s is in production, and I hope to have it available shortly. Meanwhile, if you want to encourage me to talk more about science fiction films, why not become a Patreon supporter? Au revoir. Until we meet again. Music